Today with Joseph Prince. God says, with long life will I satisfy Him and show Him my Yeshua. His long life is to discover more of Jesus and then to know Him and make Him known. You are of use, divine usefulness on earth. your glory, all your, your boasting must be in Christ and in Christ alone. He is my righteousness. He is my holiness. He is my redemption. He is my wisdom that gives me all this. Amen? Praise God. Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, church, watch this. So Jesus actually has degrees of nearness in terms of discipleship. The disciples had degrees of nearness. Am I right? There was the 70, and they did miracles. By the way, this is very interesting. You know, people tell you things, well, Pastor Prince, have you read before the Bible says uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus concluded the Sermon on the Mount by saying, uh, many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, uh, we cast out devils in your name. We did miracles in your name. Well, the 70 also cast out devils in Jesus' name. It's not them, it's the name of Jesus. And, and, and we did all these things in your name. And the Lord will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Not everyone that calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. So a lot of people say, see, you see, uh, this idea that you can be saved and be lost is in the Bible. No, no, my friend, read carefully. These 70 were disciples. They were not saved. They were not saved. Even the 12 were not saved. How can anyone, but they were disciples. No one can be saved without the blood of Jesus being shed. They are disciples, they are followers, but they are not saved. The 70 are professors, the 12 are sincere. But even then, you drop down verse 70. Jesus says, did I, did I, did I not choose the, you, the 12, and one of you is a devil? <laughs> you think he doesn't know? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, in case some, someone here is wondering. <laughs> is it me? No, he spoke of Judas <laughs> I thought of teasing you and leave, leave out the last, the last verse, you know, so leave you wondering, but I'm a pastor who gives assurance. <laughs> he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. So Jesus knew. Amen. Who were, and all were not safe, but one is a devil. One is really, really, really not safe. <laughs> one is really possessed by the devil. The thing is this, people. So you cannot use that. Even Judas did miracles. So who is he talking to in the Sermon on the Mount? He's talking about no one, not all that call me Lord, Lord, enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. And what is the will of my Father? What is the will of my Father? Believe on me. Have you done that? If you have done that, you are saved. Don't let anyone use that passage to rob you of your assurance. Well, Pastor Prince, he that doeth the will of my Father, no one knows the will of God. No one knows. So they leave people hanging. They leave people not assured. Because as long as people are insecure, you can control them. I'm not interested in controlling you people. You all realize that, right? All right? I leave you to the control of the Holy Spirit. I'm not a controlling person. I don't like control. I don't like to, to intimidate. I don't like to control. I leave you to God. Then you'll wish you'd be controlled sometimes. 
going on. God has ways of dealing with us. Are you listening, people? He will chastise people that He loves. Let me tell you this, but not with disease. The Lord spoke to me the other day and said to me, Cain and Abel, Cain left the presence. The Bible says Cain left the presence of the Lord. Cain, the son of Adam, who murdered his brother, he left the presence of the Lord. Left the presence of the Lord. There was another guy who fled from the presence of the Lord, Jonah. I just talked to you about him. Jonah left the presence of God, but God never left him. God hunted him down. Even if God could take a big fish, God would get, get him. And God said, what's the difference? I didn't go after Cain. I went after Jonah because Jonah is mine. I disciplined Jonah because he is mine and I love him. Cain is not mine. I said, God, never leave me in that sense. Wherever, when I go astray, deal with me. You'll be grateful that God doesn't leave you alone. You know how he deals with you? Something you're not happy in your workplace. You're frustrated. When you are proud, you get hurt by people. Then you say, God, why? It's your pride, not the people. But you don't want to hear that. You get, you're angry with me right now anyway. Pride! Angry for what? People are trying to help you, you know. And please don't jump up from the surgery table. When a doctor just opened you up before you can remove the problem, all right, you jump up and say, I, 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 it's nonsense, man. Uh, I get hurt and all. Cut me open like that. Then you hold your intestines running out of the hospital. <laughs> At least wait for the doctor to sew you back up, remove the tumor, sew you back up until you're well, okay? Amen? So listen to the word first. God loves you. So let's remove all this pride. Then you, you know, when you see people who are failing, you see, you deal with waiters or waitresses and, and they are nasty and all that. Wow, who do you think you are? You are just a waitress, you know? Don't be nasty with me, huh? I won't give you tip. <laughs> then you start, wait a minute, I don't give tips anyway. <laughs> Why don't you be kind to the waiter or the waitress? Why don't you be kind to that, to that you know, the guest attendant? Why do you take time? You know, people, people are working. Uh, Wendy and I, the other day, we, were, we saw a young guy working, just probably still in secondary school, but he was working at night. And he was busy, he was being yelled upon, he was being pressured by his boss and all that, and he was trying his best, he came to our table. And you know, when, when he does things in a way that is not exactly, you know, when you are rushing, you make mistakes. It's very easy for us, you know, sitting on the table to say, hey, excuse me, you leave this alone, okay? Yeah, you can go. I've seen people do that, you know, but it's nice for you to stop everything and just smile at him and say, hey, you're doing a great job. Say something. That can be your son, you know, one day. I mean, that could have been your son, let's say. Your son goes, up, goes out to work for a while or whatever, or attachment, whatever it is. Just think of him as your son. Would you want someone to treat your son like that? And you know what? I respect him. He's working when other boys are just partying. I mean, if a rich boy has a Ferrari to drive around, a lot of money to burn. I'm not jealous of them. I'm just telling you, is that guy better off than the boy who is earning his kids? Let's be kind, people. Let's be kind. So, are you established on that? You are clear? That that passage cannot be used against a believer uh, in favor of the position of you can be saved today and lost tomorrow. Let me tell you this. It's a, it's a miserable doctrine to say you can be saved today, lost tomorrow. No friend, you are safe forever. 
There's something about the things of God we need to learn. God wants you to have long life. We all say, Amen, 120, Pastor. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for that, people. Listen. But let's live a life that glory. God says, with long life will I satisfy Him and show Him my Yeshua. His long life is to discover more of Jesus and then to know Him and make Him known. Yes. You are of use, divine usefulness on earth. You die and go to heaven, no use. Oh, I want to see Jesus. You, want to, yeah, you. you can see Jesus on earth. There's plenty of time for that next time. But you have no use, you understand? You can't say, I visit for a while, say, can I go back there and preach all the lost souls there? No, you can't do that. We are of use down here. Amen? So, the thing is this, degrees of nearness. Even with the 12, there is Peter, James, and John. It's very obvious. There's more than one incident where Jesus, our Lord, brought only Peter, James, and John. Remember? Right? Jairus' daughter, the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Transfiguration, only Peter, James, and John. Which names means the stone has been replaced by grace. And we see some outstanding miracles there. But amongst Peter, James, and John, there's one that's even drawing nearer to Jesus than all the rest. And who is that? John, who leaned on Jesus' bosom. And that's why the Gospel, of, the Gospel of John begins in chapter 1, the Son in the Father's bosom. No, one has, no man has seen the Father, but the Son in the Father's bosom has declared Him. That's the Lord Jesus in the Father's bosom. The last chapter of the Gospel of John, we see John resting on Jesus' breast. It's mentioned the same John who rested on Jesus' breast. So the Gospel of John ends with two bosoms. The bosom of the Father, the Son rested in His bosom, and the bosom of Jesus, disciple rests in it. So the whole Gospel of John is about love. Love of the Father for the Son, the love of the Father and the Son for us. And God says, continue in my love. Continue in my love. Are you listening, people? <clears throat> Someone says, you know, uh, famous people down through history have said, do not do unto others as you would not have others do unto you. Yeah, but Jesus is positive. Do unto others. Do you know you can actually not do unto others as you don't want others do unto you and live a selfish life? But Jesus says, do unto others. It's more positive. Some people say, well, as long as I don't hurt people. But that's not positive. Love your neighbor means practical steps. Take steps to love them. Amen? Hmm. Praise God. Hebrews 10, verse 1 and 2. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. Perfect in the previous chapter of Hebrews pertaining to the conscience. Alright? We are not perfect in our behavior but we are perfect in our conscience before God. Why? For then would they not have ceased those sacrifices to be offered. For the worshippers once purified, and the word once is once and for all, hapax, would have had no more consciousness of sins. You know, one of the things that, that, that people would oppose the teachings of grace is that they say that we don't give people a chance to be conscious of sin, which is something good. There's this idea Consciousness of sin is good, and we teach you not to be sin conscious. The thing is this, no matter how not sin conscious you are, 
Or in a world that we live in, you'll still be. Okay? People need help with guilt and condemnation. And this idea that you are sin conscious, you will live holy, is not true. For by the law is the knowledge, consciousness, awareness of sin. And what happened uh, after Israel had the law? They committed something that they never ever did before they received the law. They had a golden calf. When actually what they said, called Asher Diber Adonai Naaseh, all that God commands us, we can do. We are able to do it. Yes, that's what they said. But it ended up with a golden calf, a work of the flesh. So people, it's very clear that sin consciousness, the moment they are conscious of sin, it produced sin. Now does that mean that we are saying we are sinlessly perfect? Some people accuse me of that. It's, I never say that. I've never said, what's the point of saying I am the righteousness of God in Christ if there is no sin in your life? If there is no sin in your life, you are your own righteousness. Ding, ding, tilt, tilt. All right? Make sure your elevator goes all the way up to the top. All right? Think about it. Some people say, well, well, you are one of those that's uh, like First John chapter 1. You say you have no sin. No, we are people who confess we have sin. In fact, in the present tense, we are confessing our sins. That means we are people who acknowledge we have sin. I don't believe 1 John 1 9 should be used to keep short accounts like when I sin, I must confess it or else I'm not forgiven. I'm against that teaching. But are we people who confess our sins? Remember the ledger illustration I used in my book, The Power of Right Believing? A, a businessman has a ledger and the ledger is full of red marks, okay? Red ink. Why? It's all the debts that he owes. Many a times he comes into the office, he doesn't want even to look, look at the ledger. Why? Because it is very stressful. It is heartbreaking to look at it. So he tells his secretary, pay as much as you can, whatever you can, with what money you have. We have, all right? And, uh, and finally, one, one man, who was a generous man, a wealthy man, his friend, his old friend, found out by his predicament and paid everything. Now when he comes in, he asks for the ledger himself. He opens his, his debt ledger and looks at all that which he owed. That's all been paid now. And then with every awareness of sin falling short of the muck of debt, there is an increasing sense of gratefulness to your benefactor. So the thing is this, are we people that are still aware of sin? Yes, we are confessing our sins in that sense. Amen. We're not confessing to be forgiven. Confessing means homologio, to say the same thing with God that we have sinned, but God has forgiven it in Christ. So I'm, I'm, I'm never teaching like, like I've never taught, you know, we have no sin. If we say we have no sin, we make God a liar. Look at the contrast. If we are confessing our sins and if we say we have no sin, it's back to back. The, the whole idea there is people who say they have no sin, the Gnostics, they have, we have no sin. We have never said that. If you have no sin, then why confess I am the righteousness of God in Christ? Amen? Praise God. So the Bible says, had those sacrifices of bullock, lamb, year after year, continually sacrificed on the Jewish altars, had they worked at least one time, worshippers once and for all purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. This is Bible, people. If there was a sacrifice that worked, 
will have no more consciousness of sins. If there was a real payment for the ledger, even albeit how thick it is, if there's a real payment, there's no more debt on your conscience. Does that mean that once in a while you don't look at the debt and all that? No. Once in a while I tell God, God, I, I'm such a, a proud person, Lord. Lord, I'm, I'm such a, a bad-tempered person, Lord. It's okay to say that. But I'm not confessing to be forgiven. I'm confessing because I'm forgiven. In fact, His forgiveness generates an atmosphere where I can be honest. I can confess to each other. You know, the other day, someone texted me and said uh, he's going through some physical problems and challenges, went to the hospital and all that. You know, I said, let's believe God together. Sometimes I, went, I, I go through these lying symptoms as well. Amen. You know, confess my faults. Amen. I'm not here to say, well, praise God, brother. Where do you fall? No, we confess. We, we are all in this journey together. There's nothing wrong. In fact, sometimes you, you, know, you can smile at your wife and say, I, I got such a bad temper, darling. God is still working on it. You can only say that when you are in an atmosphere of acceptance with God and with your wife. And that's the reason why we hide. We're not sure God forgives us. All right? So we have to confess every sin to be forgiven. That generates an atmosphere of insecurity. Whereas this verse, verse 2 says, if a sacrifice had worked, there'll be no more consciousness of sins. So if, if I owe someone a lot of money, guess what? I'll be avoiding the person all the time. The person comes in, I go out. I see the person in the mall, all right, I rush up the next escalator. Why? Not because I hate the person, there's debt on my conscience. Well, if somebody wealthy pays off my debt, amen, I'll go to the person and say, hi. But the Bible tells me, not only is my debt paid, Jesus, my Lord, is an overpayment. It's like I have a debt of 10,000. He paid that man that I owed 1 million. Now, if I know the person has gained, because of trespass offering, he has gained 100, I mean, he has gained 120% more. He has gained, let's say, 1 million. I know 1 million is not, uh, not, a, not a 120% more. Okay, forget the math for a while, okay, people? Follow me. <laughs> so, for my 10,000 debt, Someone who loved me paid the man that I owed, that I owed the creditor, paid him one million. Is that an overpayment? Yes. Now, when I see him, what do you think I'll do? Run off? Avoid him? No, I'll go to him. I'll march to him, man. I say, you become a gainer because of me, eh? How about a treat, man? Come on. We're in a mall. We're in a nice restaurant. Come on. You become a millionaire because of me. My $10,000 debt. How about you borrow $10? I, I get the $1 million. Come on. <laughs> how, many, how many understand? If you understand what, how Jesus is an overpayment for all our sins, man, you'll come to God boldly. You'll draw near to God. And if you know your sins are forgiven and forgiven in such a way, in such a manner that God is glorified, His holiness, all right, is upheld. There was no compromise on His holiness. In fact, His holiness is glorified in the death of His Son because the Lord exacted a penalty. Jesus fully met the penalty. And all the divine claims of God on me and my family of righteousness and holiness, Jesus' blood has met. So God now, let me say this reverently, it's almost like the blood was sprinkled on the altar and Jesus says, is that enough, Father? Friend, it's more than enough. God is glorified. His law is magnified. God never, Jesus never broke the law. He fulfilled it. 
We are not under law because He fulfilled it. Not that He broke it. He fulfilled it. Are we together? Are we understanding this? Alright? So we should have no more. So the thing is this, if I come to God and I have sin debt on my conscience, if I know somebody paid for me, and, I, and, I, and, and the person finds out I'm still avoiding the, the other person, I'm still acting like that's dead, won't the person feel insulted? Won't the person feel like I have dishonored his generosity? But what if he paid my debt and no one told me? Which is the story of the world. They are avoiding God because in their hearts of hearts, they think God demands holiness, that I cannot perform, uh, uh, you know, God demands this of me, God demands that of me, and no one, so I better not think of God or His existence. Why? Because I can't take my conscience. One thing you cannot run away from, you go to the highest mountain, you swim in the deepest ocean, your conscience is with you. That conscience, conscience, that knowing on the inside, it must be, met and sprinkled with the blood of Christ so that you don't have debt on your conscience. What if my sins are paid? But the person telling me that my sins are, my debt has been paid, the person came from the, 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 the generous, wealthy man, all right, but he happened to be a clerk or he happened to be just a, 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 a security man, whatever, at the door, and he doesn't speak well, and he tells me something about paying your debt. He's not clear in his communication. Guess what? Will I still have sin on my conscience? Yes. So again, there are, there are believers who have sin debt on their conscience because the communication from the pulpit has been very bad. It's not clear. And then there are people... I'm sorry to say there are preachers even, who would rather you be sin conscious so that they can tell you to do this, do that, do this, do that, and you will, you will feel good doing it because it eases your conscience. But what you're doing is you're offering date works. You're not bringing to God good works. And there is a difference. Amen? Okay, I gotta bring this to a close. But watch this. I call this chapter the three W's. Okay? How did he do it? Drop down. For then, in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. So notice, no more consciousness of sins in contrast with a reminder of sins. It seems like the church is saying, we should remind people of their sins instead of this, this Joseph Prince teaching people no more consciousness of sins. But actually, I'm on God's side. I am testifying to the perfect work, the completed work of our Lord Jesus Christ that is so glorifies God that one sacrifice for sins for all time avails. So we should have no more conscience of sin. We should not have a Jewish conscience like what they had in the Old Testament. Every year they must bring because it's never perfect sacrifice. Therefore, they don't have a perfect conscience. The reason we have a perfect conscience is because, because we have a perfect sacrifice. If there are things that's happening in your life right now you're not happy with, or you don't see the kind of uh, life that you envision a blessed man should have, change your heart. He wants you to change your life from the inside out. This month, we want to send you this powerful four CD audio series, Change How You See, Change Your Life, for your gift of support. Get ready to receive your breakthrough as you fill your heart with faith pictures from God. We're not saying, see it to make it real. We are saying, open your eyes to see what is really there. 
Let God fortizo the eyes of your heart. This is knowledge of Him. And for a gift of $75 or more, you will also get Joseph's latest CD and DVD album, His Zone Vision. Receive God's prophetic vision for your life. God's going to cause you to be full of His vision this year. Not just any vision, the vision that is from God, that prophetic vision. The vision of God transcends time and space. May God open the eyes of your heart, amen, to see what God wants you to see. Your breakthroughs and miracles begin with seeing God's best for you. Position yourself to receive God's Hazon vision for your life. Get these powerful resources for your gift of support to the ministry today. Call us toll-free at 877-901-4300 or visit us at josephprince.org right now. Dear friends, if you've been blessed by seeing the beauty of our Lord Jesus and His love unveiled through our broadcast, would you like to join us in impacting more people with the message of His grace? We are living in the last days and I feel a sense of urgency in my heart to reach even more people still living in darkness so that their lives can be transformed by the grace of God. So if you're watching this and are not yet a JPM partner, I want to invite you to be part of this important work. Will you pray about being a JPM partner today? We are very grateful for all our JPM partners. You share with us in the great harvest of every life that has been healed, every marriage that is restored, and every person that has been set free from guilt and condemnation. Thank you, JPM partners. Let's continue to be bold in advancing the gospel of grace. God bless you. Thank you, Joseph Prince Ministries partners, for your prayers and generous support that help us broadcast the gospel into millions of homes around the world. Today, we thank God the gospel of Jesus Christ has transformed everyone under the sound of it. And that's the reason for the TV ministry. Broadcast from the house stops to all the four corners of the earth. Amen. We invite you to partner with us to send the gospel of grace to the nations. Call us toll-free at 877-901-4300 or visit us at josephprince.org slash partner today. Next on Joseph Prince. Jesus is Father, I see in your heart, you don't want to deal with people based on if you obey, I bless you. If you disobey, I'll curse you. I see your heart of love, Father. I see your heart. Your will is to take away this first covenant to establish the second covenant. Here I am to do your will. Are you listening, people? Joseph Prince Ministries is a Section 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax deductible for the amount that exceeds any fair market value of the materials you receive from us.